Marcus, you like movies? Yes, I do. Marcus, do you believe that dogma expresses the psyche more completely than a scientific theory, for the latter gives expression to and formulates the conscious mind alone? Dogma just in general? Are you talking about the film movement? Because it's a film podcast. So well, I that's, dog, I, that's really dog me. Or I you can be... so called it dog, yeah. Uh, well, this, that was a quote from, from Jung. So uh, I meant like religious dogma or thoughtful dogma. But you could you could say Dogma ninety five or yeah. or the Dogma movie by Kevin Smith. It's yeah. up to you. Your yeah. dealer's choice. Well, not I'm the dealer, so uh, the de- the Delt's choice. Uh, I'll, yes, sure. All right. Welcome to Zebras in America, episode seventy, brought to you by us. But if you want to sponsor us, you should do it. Uh, we have t-shirts now. Yeah. Check the link and order them. We've sold a few. So, come on. Be, be part cool. of the craze. Know, be cool. Be cool. And if you DM me, you can actually get, like, sweatshirts and sweatpants and weird stuff. But we're starting with t-shirts. Yeah. Email if, me. If you DM me, I'm not telling you what softwares I use to make my grid uh, side-by-side gifts. So, stop doing that every day like everyone does. But, DM me for t-shirts. Uh, uh, Zebra's t-shirts We appreciate you listening So maybe you could just get a t-shirt and wear it As you listen along Yeah, That's the ultimate experience And uh, speaking of Also we have a, If you want to send us an email Zebraspod at gmail.com We have a couple emails Nice. Uh, this one comes from Longtime supporter, listener, and writer Melissa Silvestri Okay. Hi Marcus and Scott Hi Melissa Thanks for another good episode. I also saw Black Klansman and mostly thought it was well acted, though I did have a couple of criticisms. This is in reference to two episodes when we did Black Klansman and a lot of black cinema and we did some great deep vampire diving. I also saw Black Klansman and mostly thought it was well acted, though I did have a couple of criticisms. Pause. I think that... uh, uh, right now, Boots Riley had gotten into a lot of trouble because he wrote a long-form criticism of the politics of Black Klansmen. And included some truths and that not, were just conveniently omitted right. from the movie, and, which are important. And, and also, what people failed to notice is at the beginning of his writing, he says, I just want to say, the film is a masterclass of filmmaking. It was made very well. And it was Spike edited Lee very well. And that influence. Spike Lee has been a big influence. And because Spike Lee was such a vocal opponent of the Medea, <coughs> of the, of, of the Medea movies, he felt comfortable criticizing Spike Lee. Spike, and, Lee. Spike Lee, as of now, has his, his response to it has been like, I'm not responding yeah, to Yeah, no it. comment. And it's all, you know, okay, so that's a good point, too. As far as, like, the, the, the Medea stuff goes, at least, like, again, the Tyler two Perry. points you brought up, Boots Riley started off positive and just, or at least, like, look at, and I agree with Spike Lee's criticism of Medea, but Spike Lee was just mean. You right. know what I'm saying? Or at least someone criticizes your movie, and it was almost like Boots Riley was throwing that out to, like, maybe have some dialogue with Spike Lee. Like, God forbid... There'd be some like dialogue, but I didn't like this part. I didn't like why'd you do it? like that's that what that to me is what makes films better. And it hit it touched a nerve because a few weeks ago I got into it with Black Twitter and Shannon Sharp followers, and it just all ties into the same thing. Like Boots Riley's getting a lot of pushback from black movie audiences because they're like 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 Candace Owens or Kanye West or 
this guy. But there is this like weird pack mentality that, and I'm only talking specifically about black people because I'm black, so I feel I can be comfortable. You know, I think we need to get out of that. And like, it's also okay for a movie to be good and great but have issues. How much anyone who knows me half well knows how much I love Post and Everest Lux. That's a problematic movie. It's it's a hardly a perfect movie. No question. Like a dog gets beat yeah. to death. Well, not to death, but a dog gets beat in that movie. There's like the way he treats his wife. Certain things he says to his wife. The way with like, but. You know what I mean? So yeah, and, I just think it needs to be more. Oh, as and, long as the criticism is positive, and just, like, just just for a moment, let me for the listeners who haven't read this. Oh sure. Boots Riley, who directed Sorry to Bother You, has recently he responded in a long form three or four page response to the criticisms mm-hmm. of his movies, and he comes from a he he was raised in you know uh, a black radical family, so his. His viewpoint is having civil discourse, intellectual discourse, and not just throwing names. His And his response to the criticisms of his movie were well thought and not defensive. And, and owning up to things that he thought that he could have done better. There you go. His criticism, his critique of Spike Lee was that the film presents things as true that never happened. And these and, are facts. And these are facts. And the pro- a problem that we're dealing with right now is that we live in a society where opinions somehow equal facts and that if you critique something that people like, all of a sudden you're a hater instead of just wanting things to be better. Like, Sorry to Bother You is, is, a, is a largely positive movie for me, but I have critiques of it. And I'd be happy and I feel like Boots Riley would talk to me and be like, oh, I hear that, I hear that. And, or be like, I disagree or I understand. And and Spike Lee, his his responses often to criticism of him, have have either been to to clap back, you know, <coughs> rhyme rhyme fest and Chance the rapper had criticisms about Chirac, yeah. and he just yelled at them, yeah. and then started and just had like ad hominem or besides the point, logical responses, and that's not how you have discourse, and Boots Riley's just saying look. This film seems to be trying to make cops look good in a time where we need higher criticism of police, and a lot of this didn't happen. And what you're not telling is his is three or four years of this character's real infiltration of black power groups and creating um, infighting and agitation, and also not mentioning that he got paid. Uh, two or three hundred thousand dollars, Spike Lee, to to make the NYPD look good in videos. So and it created this thing like, what's going on, dude? Yeah. And and his response so far to Boots is like, I don't have a response. Yeah. Or I'm anti-police. No one's more anti-police than me. But I think there can be good guys too. And I'm like, I don't know. And I think it should also be pointed out. It's like people just don't know history or forget, depending on what age you are. Where it's like. From Maddie Rich, who you know, directs Strata of Brooklyn Inkwell, to John Singleton, to Wendell B. Harris, Julie Dash, Spike Lee is a guy who, forget just Tyler Perry, like contemporaries, other talented black filmmakers. Spike Lee's had lots of, you know, beef with these people who want, who had nothing to say about him. And then Spike will come out and be like, you know, you know, so it, it's kind of weird because a lot of people come to Spike's defense. It's kind of like, why do black people always have to pull each other down? It's like, why don't you ask Spike Lee that question? Because he's been doing it since the late 80s. Like, why don't you ask the person you're defending 
that same question. And it's also, just, and know. also, my 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 response is that holding each other. I can't speak for the black experience. Mm-hmm. I can just speak for the idea, like when I'm openly critical of Jewish people, and and is that I'm not. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to hold people to standards sure. and just have a conversation and have a dialogue and. You know, it's a, it, we're, we're getting to a time where, where the need for comedians, critics, artists, it's gonna, if, if we're going to not allow nuanced conversation anymore, there's, there's going to be no speech. Shall we get back to Melissa Silvestri's yes, yes, email? Yes, absolutely. All right. She's like, well, actually, though, I did have a couple of criticisms. I agree that the Trump comparisons were very heavy-handed, and it did make me internally roll my eyes when the characters would talk as if they knew a present-day audience were watching them and say lines that sounded unnatural and forced that were more about 2018 America, the 1970s. I also wanted to see more of the Black Student Union and felt like the head activist was shoehorned into a love interest role that I felt was very limiting for the character, but the lead performances were very strong and engaging with the complexities of Ron trying to be both a dedicated police officer and wanting to support the black power movement. And it was nice to see Steve Buscemi again on screen. Word, I've missed seeing him in recent work. I did read about Boots Riley's criticism and he has solid points and the unrealistic view of the police fighting. And Steve Buscemi? Steve Buscemi was in, was in uh, Black, black Landsman. Who was he? Damn, I'm drawing a blank. Steve. I enjoyed your talk about vampire films and thanks for mentioning the addiction. I forgot they had seen it that way back in my teen years because of my fandom for Lily Taylor. Look, we all love Lily Taylor here. Yes. I like the black and white style of it and the nostalgia because they were so formative to my understanding of films. I also just saw Life Force, which I thought was very ambitious with great special effects, but was unintentionally funny sometimes and over sure. the top acting particularly. I thought Vampire in Brooklyn was okay but had potential to be better, and I enjoyed the From Dust Till Dawn sequel as a fun desert action movie with vampires. Agreed. All the best, Melissa. Cool. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. Um, I don't remember who Steve Buscemi was in Black Klansman. When we get to what we're talking about this episode, Mm -hmm. I will take a look. Um, And then we have another email from Kevin Orzol, who's who's emailed us before. Mm -hmm. But it's like... uh, yeah. It's like, hi again. I've been listening to your podcast since the Outlaw Vern episode. Nice. Just wanted to touch base again. Your shit's amazing. I'll be moving soon and I can be articulate and show my work like you soon. Thank you. So he's a teacher. He's moving to Beijing. I, by now he's moved. So if you're listening, Kevin in Beijing, good luck. Uh, you know, re- make sure to eat some goose. It's like duck, but better. So if you and we have some weird laws in America that keep us from eating uh, goose. So if you see some Peking goose, it's uh, it's a uh, really really fabulous. And you'll you're doing language. And he says, like Vern, I really appreciate that you guys do not draw any lines between what can be considered a legitimate movie and what isn't considered a legitimate movie. That's own that, that's own discussion. Love that. And also pointing out that apparently when we talked about Zardos, we said it came out around the time of Excalibur, but apparently there was a lot of time. So thank you for that correction. So Kevin, good luck in Beijing. Uh, Vern, we're thinking about you. Love you. Um, yes. And yeah, thanks. Thanks, man. Um, so we decided today to talk about a bunch of stuff, but lately another thing as inspired by Vern's great writing is I've gone down a Scott Adkins rabbit hole mm. scott atkins being the dtv action action hero right now 
Uh, and I've just been watching almost any movie I can get my hands on. And I found out, like, my friend, my good friend's brother, my, my, I was talking to my good friend the other day about podcasts and my podcast about movies. And he was like, yo, but what do you know about Scott Atkins? My brother's been telling me about Scott Atkins. And I was like, yo, five minutes ago, I was just telling you about all the Scott Atkins movies and you were nodding like you were paying attention. So, oh, shit. I was oh. like, yeah, I know about Scott Atkins and asked your brother what you think about <coughs> Bautista. And it turned out that he liked Bautista as an action star too. So the guy has good taste. So people are talking about Scott Atkins if you like if you like those sort of action movies, but I think some of them are are great movies too. So you saw Accident Man? Yes. Okay, so why don't you talk about Accident Man and I figure out about Steve Buscemi and Black Handsman. Yeah, please. So Accident, well, first of all, Accident Man, like you said, well, you already said it, it was a movie that Vern spoke about on our um, episode with him. And then it's funny because Accident, what got me to want to see Accident Man more was Michael J. White than, say, Scott Atkins. Only because in, in recent times, it's it's not getting as much press as there is, but there's going to be a Spawn reboot, or I should say... What? Gonna, yeah, they're redoing Spawn. Jamie Foxx is going to play Spawn. What? Jeremy Renner is going to be the villain. He just a few weeks who's ago... Jamie, who's Jeremy Renner playing? Uh, the, the villain. I, I don't know who. It was just like Jeremy Renner signs on as villain for... Jamie uh, Foxx? Uh, Jamie Foxx is Spawn. As Spawn? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it got me thinking. So going back to a- Accident Man, which is a very fun, sometimes funny movie. I I don't know if I co-sign the the some of the cover arts for it, like the DVD and stuff. But you know, watching movies like that, what got me wanting to talk about most of this episode was so guys like Scott Atkins, guys like Michael J. White, if they were around in that early mid '90s period. You know, would they be like? I'd like to think about those guys on the big screen because it's not like direct to video is nothing new. It's just with streaming and Hulu and Netflix, it kind of changes the game. Before, this is even before DVDs came out, just like direct to video, you know, like so guys like Van Damme and, and Dolph Lundgren, they did a lot of direct to no, video. Steve Buscemi oh. is not in Black Clans. Okay, so his, I wasn't. Uh, his brother Michael Buscemi is in it. I don't even know who that is, but yeah. Sorry, Melissa, not trying to put you on blast. Yeah. Um, but the thing with I, you know, act, action folks were kind of a, more of a household name, right? And 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 I'm not just like Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, Stallone. Those guys don't count because they're they're in another league. But like guys who specifically just did action films, like like a Dolph Lundgren, like a Van Damme, like you, like the first Universal Soldier, like that was in the theater, you know. And Scott Atkins is in Universal you know, with, Soldier, exactly. Which, <coughs> especially you know, Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. It's such a weird, interesting movie. I mean that in a good way, because sometimes interesting can be vaguely insulting, and weird can sometimes be uh, negative. But I do like to think of a world where guys like Scott Atkins and Michael J. White were like, I don't know about household names, but like their names were on marquees, and like you'd go to the theater like on a Friday night to see their movie. And going back to Spawn, not that Michael J. White has never tasted, you know. He's been in he's been in big screen films, but nothing too you know crazy. And I just think goes back to what we were I mean, saying he was, before. He, I think he, he was the a, he was the first black actor to to star as a superhero in their own movie. Uh, well, based me, off a of con- oh, right, Meteor there's Man. Meteor Man. There's yeah. it's it's true. It was, yeah. but still one of the big like Meteor Man still was kind of like I'm not gonna say tongue in cheek, but there was some humor to it. Right. Whereas Bond was we, supposed to be serious, right? Like, and I think you know, we, I think we've actually had this. This literal conversation yeah. before, but I'm fine with that. Michael J. White, you know, he's. Did, did you say Black Dynamite? 
No, no. And that, yeah, that's another example. I mean, he's he's in he's like if you're into the genre of action, he's all over it. I I recently watched all the undisputed movies. Nice. Uh not undisputed. I I mean, I think never back down movies. Oh, never back. Um Cuz is Michael J. White in the undisputed movies? Yeah. He's in, well, Undisputed, the first one, that's Wesley Snipes and Ving Rhames, and then he's in the second one. Right. So it's funny. Because he's, he's in Undisputed, those movies are excellent with <coughs> Scott Atkins, and what I want to get to, which you talked about on the show, but I really love going into it, yeah. is that in, in, the, in the action world, you have a whole, you have the, the basic genre of the first movie, mm-hmm. and those sometimes go to the theaters, and sometimes people watch them, and that's for a certain niche. Then, then, then the super action heads watch the, the, the sequels that have like nothing to do often yeah. with the stuff going on yeah. in the first one and then create their own worlds like the Kickboxer series or, um, or even like weirdly enough the American Psycho sequel which is kind of awesome or the you know, free... I never saw that I just know the cover I never actually saw the sequel it's with Mila Kunis yeah. and it's kind of awesome or like Freeway 2 with Vincent Gallo. Oh, of course I've seen that. Natasha Leone. Yeah. yeah so. Sometimes the sequels to these movies are, are I like better, and they have nothing to do with Cyborg 2. So Scott Atkins became this dude that's, that was showing up in the sequels to things and, and becoming the star of them, like the Undisputed series, obviously. But then Michael J. White was in the sequels to Never Back Down. Mm-hmm. Never Back Down was, was a movie that came out in theaters. Channing Tatum. Chan- yeah. Channing Tatum was not in that movie. Never back down. Oh, why am I thinking of um... Cade something? Yes, uh, Channing Tatum was not in the fight. I'm thinking of the other fighting movies that. Um... No, it's the sequel. He was in the first Never Back Down. Channing Tatum was not in the first. Never What's back the fighting down. movie? It was, it was it was written directed by Dito Montiel, the guy that Shia LaBeouf played in Guide to Recognize. Yeah, that, that's a different movie. I always fucking do that. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. That's okay. Yeah, Channing Tatum, I think, was in that movie. He was in. He was he also was. in Guide of Recognize yeah, the Saints, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, famously for becoming Eric Roberts as an adult. Yeah, it's like um, so. You have these sequels, and the sequels have. Sometimes very little connected to it, and the undisputed, the the never back down movies, and the undisputed movies go to different locales, go to different different countries, and become these these super awesome things. And yeah, never back never back down two and three. Michael J. White is the sensei, and the third one he goes to Thailand. And I love when fighting movies go to Thailand. Of course, the kickboxers, uh, Bloodsport, right? Bloodsport was yeah. Bloodsport was absolutely Thailand. Yeah. Um, and oh and no, no 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 Kickboxer's Thailand. No Bloodsport was uh, was somewhere in China if right. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I'm sorry. and even my favorite part of the Kickboxer reboot is the elephants and the Thailand aspects of it. Mm-hmm. So I've just been like, oh, this dude Scott Atkins is nasty. He he used yeah. the body double for for Ryan Reynolds in Wolverine. He got he got beat up in Doctor Strange. But he has his own thing. Mm. An Accident Man is this dark comedic action movie that's like part, part like uh, like um, hmm. How do how do I put this? It's it's got like a Guy Ritchie vibe. Absolutely. Yeah, I take back what I said earlier about the the cover art. I guess it goes with the movie kind of just a bit much, but yeah. So I revised my statement. Sorry. Go ahead. Right. Like it's got a John Wick. <coughs> John Wick, Guy Ritchie sort of thing mm-hmm. about this about this hitman who does this 
he has a special set. Like he makes his he makes his deaths look like an accident. Yeah. Hence the name. And then he finds out that his team did him wrong, mm-hmm. and he has to, he goes and fights. And what I like about these movies is that even though he's a tough guy, he's a super good martial artist. He gets fucked up. He doesn't just like punch him and they go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like back Some and forths. Yeah. What What did you and and there's a really great scene about Michael J. White being like, "Yo, just go home, watch some cartoons, and quit acting like a bitch," and and then they fight. And I thought that was funny. That happens a lot, actually. Well, I don't know about a lot, but that happens quite a bit in Scott Atkins movies too. Like I always go back to like Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning, where that final fight to like block a machete, Scott Atkins literally. Like, uses his arm to block a machete and it partially goes into his arm. It's like, you know, there was that period where, going back to the 90s, all the action stars highlighted by Steven Seagal rarely ever got touched. They were yeah. just like, it was like a video game. You just like bulldoze through people. Whereas, like, there's a little more, it's not exactly realistic, but at the same time, it's not complete fantasy where, like, Scott you're going to get touched. Scott Acton get, gets, gets hurt in yeah. a lot of the movies he's in. Absolutely. Like, the, the Boyka movie, which was the. The, la- the the most recent one I really hope they make a sequel because I thought it was I thought there was I thought there was so much more to that character and I want to mm. see more but like yeah he like fights with his leg broken and yeah. and yeah he's getting fucked up in all these movies uh, it's that Superman thing that's why I like Superman is tough to pull off even still to this day it's like the one thing that harms him whereas like all the other superheroes like you see Batman, a.k.a. Bruce Wayne, or Logan, or all these guys who do have either powers or, like, cool trinkets and stuff, they still get fucked up, and it's like, you you grow with them, it's like, oh, there's gonna be a comeback, where if it's just, like, this one guy who bulldozes through everything, after a while, it gets boring. Maybe, maybe not one movie, but after maybe four or five movies, it's just like, eh. So. I do think the premise of Accident Man too, just, like, Prior to the, I mean, in a movie like that, you, you, you can expect to be like, oh, his team is setting him up. But just the whole idea of, like, him setting up murders like accidents is really cool. Even the title. I think the title, it's one of those, like, cool, literal, but funny titles. Um, well, yeah, what's funny is the other movie he did this year called The Debt Collector. Uh-huh. Yeah, which, tell me which, about that. Which I was really excellent. I, well, no, it was great. It was almost excellent. There were a couple points keeping it from being, like, you know... Uh, um, but there were some really cool things. Um, yeah, I thought. Also, I didn't. Call, I, I wasn't sure that he was going to be double crossed. I didn't know what the story was going to be mm. like. Because, because unlike like what the, what was cool about the action movie was that they threw in some stuff. Like he had this girlfriend who he really liked, but they could never connect because he couldn't share his life. And then she left him for a woman, and then right. and then she gets murdered. And he's like, "Yo, this is this doesn't seem right." And then. Revenge happens, yeah. and the debt collector is—it's like a buddy movie. Yeah. Scott Atkins is has a dojo, mm-hmm. and to raise money for his dojo, he becomes a debt collector for the local mob boss, and he's set up with this something Mandalore, Costas Mandalore's brother, mm-hmm. who is this ex-boxer who used to be. Who used to be in in ninja movies, and that's like a thing. They, he's like he shows the posters throughout it, and he's a drunk, and he's really upset about his life and where it's gone. And it's just sort of about a weekend where they're looking for this marker, and it, 
everything goes wrong. Mm. But it's got that like forty eight hours, you know, Walter Hill vibe. Sure. Which 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 I caught on from the Vern review too. But then you st- you start finding out that even though the movie's from the, from the lens of Scott Atkins' character, it's his sidekick who's super interesting. You find out all these things about him, and as they're going deeper and deeper into figuring out who, what's going on, mm-hmm. towards a very surprising ending that I didn't expect, mm. you're just like, this is actually a great movie. Well, there's great stuff going on. I think... There's a plot twist that I think could have been, that could have been worked into a little better. The presence of almost all the women characters was not, was not, uh, Mm -hmm. could have been handled with a little more complications or nuance. Well, unfortunately. Just sometimes, sometimes in these movies they're like... Props. They're (laughs) props or like, or they're just... Or just like cartoonishly evil for no reason, or like obviously this is happening because the women are bad, and I just thought a couple, a couple of switches could have taken the movie from good to great. But I still recommend watching it because there's some really cool stuff. And then there's action, there's these action scenes where Scott Atkins gets fucked up, mm-hmm. and this other dude is cool, and there's like cool fighting. Just yeah, the 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 last quarter, I thought the last quarter could have some could have some uh, tweaks, mm-hmm. but I like the idea. And I think we'll talk about Savage Dog, which is a period piece with Scott Adkins, after you see it. Okay. Um, yeah, so so you liked Accident Man. I did. And you, uh, what, other, what other action stuff have you been, have you been thinking about? Like, have you seen Marauders yet? Marauders, no, it's okay. still on the list. Oh man, I like that movie so much. Yeah, I'm. Um, well, although it's funny, speaking of all that, it's like there's this um, that this like weird kind of campaign is kind of getting a little more steam, at least from what I see on social media, which isn't always the best, you know, judgment, whatever word you want to use. But it's like people are saying like James Gunn should redo should, now that he's gone, he should go back to his trauma roots redo Swamp Thing with Batista as a, as a Swamp Thing, which is kind of, which I think would be kind of cool. As long as he pulled, you know, I'd be okay with that if it was, like, on some, like, the new Halloween or the new Terminator thing. Like, it's got it. I don't know if they made a movie after Citizen Toxie, but I would love a direct sequel to Citizen Toxie. Because mm. the new Halloween, called Halloween, is a sequel to the original Halloween. Right. And the new Terminator is a sequel to Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. Sort of how, like, the the Brandon Ruth Superman was a sequel to Superman 2 as well. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, let's not acknowledge these other things, which is an interesting way to go. It, it, yeah, it really is. I'll, I don't I'm, know how I feel about that sometimes. I'm going to give them a chance. I'm also, cool. like, strangely excited for A Star is Born. That's, it's funny, that's going to be the first thing I watch... When I go to TIFF, I did my schedule. Nine in the morning on a Saturday morning. Well, on two Saturdays. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure it'll be fine. I think it's just that trailer was cut really, really well. I know you don't do trailers, but the trailer was like, oh, this looks good. But no, no, I saw the trailer uh, scene, don't worry, he won't get far on foot. Oh, fair enough. And I was yeah. like, wait, why am I crying? And this looks great. And then I found out that Lady Gaga's father is being played by Dice. 
Oh, Kato told uh, t- told me that. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Who you know? Ah, whatever. I don't like this movie. I'm not biggest fan of this director, but his like three scenes, Andrew Dice Clay's three scenes in Blue Jasmine are worth it. I thought Blue Jasmine was a very overrated movie. I didn't get the hype around. I mean, I do, but I don't. But Clay in Blue Jasmine is really, really good. If there's just like a cut of just his scenes in, in, in that movie, I think that'd be pretty cool. Right. And I'm not, I really don't want to make too many comments about everything that's going on right now. But if you are an ardent Woody Allen defender, I better see you guys defending Asia Argento. Not to say that I defend either of them. I'm just saying, uh, logically, just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Think about it. Um, oh, you know, I just saw a preview for The Happy Time Murders. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, meet the Feebles. Oh, shit. I didn't think about that this whole time. I mean, my friend actually saw it, and he said it's nothing like Meet the Feebles, that it's a murder mystery, but in, like, a Muppet-type universe. But it made me, one, want to rewatch Meet the Feebles. It's been about ten years, Mm. and I like that movie so much. I used to sample the songs from it. Nice. Do you like that movie? It's okay. I haven't watched... That's my video studies. I don't think I've watched it since the early 2000s. What's your favorite... college. What's your favorite Peter Jackson movie? Uh, it might be The Frighteners. Really? More so than... Um, what, like Dead Alive or something? I was going to say the Kate Winslet one. Oh, Heavenly Creatures? Heavenly Creatures? That might be number two. I really like The Frighteners. I really like The Frighteners yeah. as well. Maybe I, Heavenly Creatures. You know, you're right. Maybe, 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 maybe Heavenly Creatures. I rewatched, I, rewatched, I rewatched The Frighteners five years ago, and I was like, this is great. Yeah. I like I like the effects. I like the story. I like Michael J. Fox. Do we know? I'm because that was like ninety six, ninety seven. What did he do? Because Lord of the Rings was early. To, oh yeah, was it? Did he just go from Frighteners to Lord of the Rings? I don't know. I think he did. Given the time, I don't think he did anything before Lord of the between the Frighteners and Lord of the Rings. I was just saying, like that's a weird transition. It's an interesting transition. Are you at all interested in seeing the Happy Time Murders? Not really. I guess like as a date movie or something, if like my lady wanted to go see it. Right. You know, uh, as probably most of you guys know, Movie Pass changed everything about their That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. their thing. So at first they were like, next month it's gonna be fifteen bucks, but you can watch all the movies you want and sometimes there'll be peak pricing. And I was like, That's great. Love it. That makes sense and I'm with it. And then they were like, Well actually Uh-oh. we're going it's going to be ten dollars a month. And you can see three movies a month. And I was like, all right, that's still much better. And then and then two days later, after everyone had paid, they were like, well, actually, we're going to... Sh- we there are, you, The movies you can watch are only the movies that we allow you to. Yeah, that's fucked up. That's so, absolutely fucked up. So I canceled my membership, and I loved Fair MoviePass. Enough. I was the biggest defender of them because they created a great thing, and I think they're changing... The idea is like, yo, people want to watch movies. You're making it too expensive. So I just switched over to Cinemia, which is which is $10, but you can see three movies a month. You can see them on the same day. There's mm. no blackouts. There's It's all, and you can watch 3D, IMAX, whatever. Uh-huh. And yeah, I think, I don't know. I think it seemed like MoviePass is trying to, to get people to not use it. That's what it sounds like. Which is not what a good, that's not what your thing should do. And my thing is, what I was happy with three movies a month because that means like all the independent movies that I want to watch, or if I want to see a revival film, I can just go. 
I don't really care about peak pricing because I don't see the big movies the day they come out. And if I do, I see it in my neighborhood theater for five bucks. So I, that was just really disappointing. Mm. So I, that was a movie I was going to watch, Happy Time Murders, mm -hmm. when MoviePass was still doing its thing. Now that I have to save my three movies a, a month, I'm not as excited. And there's a lot of movies, like uh, Five Fingers Marseille is coming out soon. That's, that's exciting. What movie is that? It's an it's a, it's a African Western. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, and it's people have been saying it's great. It comes out in like uh, two or three weeks. I think we should maybe see it together if Sounds, possible. Yeah, well, you're, you're, you're going to be in TIFF, but maybe when you get back. Absolutely, when I get back. Um, you know, but whatever. No, he went from The Frighteners to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah, but that makes sense because it takes a long time to make those big movies sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, just the scope. But yeah, that's almost like a David Lynch, like, Eraserhead, Elephant Man, now, on to Dune. Yeah, just thing. like, on to the next, on, on to the next. Yeah, and I was just like, yeah. I was like, oh, what happened to all that? I don't know. Yeah, I was just really excited about watching a lot of movies on MoviePass. And now, not so much. They're so like, we really want you to see the new... Movie with with uh, Rose Byrne about liking Ethan Hawke, and I'm like, I don't want to watch that movie right now. Yeah. Or like We the Animals, which I do want to see. Mm -hmm. I heard I heard a lot of good things about that based on the book, and there was this there was this girl there was this movie about two young teenagers in Florida that looked really awesome. Movie's that? Uh, you have to give me a second. Oh. Sure. And I was really I was really excited about that. And also, I recently rewatched because me, you, and our friend Mtume, who will be on the show in a couple weeks, were talking about um, Kelly Reichert, yeah. who's, who's I think, top five American directors. Uh, she's in my top three. Yeah. So who are the other two? Uh, at the moment. Uh, li living. Yeah. And, and, and well, of course, active. At the moment, uh, Richard Linklater and Rick Alverson. And I and I hesitate. Richard Linklater can go up and down. For, it's just like since 2013 up to right now, he's just been on such a great like role. Like he hasn't made a bad movie. Some are better than others, but I think uh, Last Flag Flying is like of all the movies he's made since you know uh, the last before film, he's been doing really really great. Um, and, and honestly, is, I think is that he, movie going to be at TIFF. What's that? The new Alverson. No, it's not. But is it going to be at White? It's going to be. At, it's going to be at NIF. It's going to be at Venice, and a lot of times Venice, because Venice ends just as TIFF starts, so a lot of the blowback, a lot of like TIFF, a lot of Venice stuff, heads to TIFF. So I'm really hoping for that, because I'll stop what I'm doing. You know, going to TIFF this year. The only thing I care about is is Claire Denise being moved. Oh, I care about other stuff. You but the most important. Be, and you don't think that's going to be at NIF? What, 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 oh, the New York, oh, no, I don't. New York, uh, no, I don't. Oh, no, it's not, because I think they, New York Film Festival is done, like, they announced all their movies. And, and Alverson's new film wasn't, wasn't on the list. So. Uh, Never Going Back was a movie that I was excited to see okay. about. That's like, that's like, if the, if the girls from eighth grade spent, like, four years smoking weed and stuff. Nice. It look. It just looked great. Mm -hmm. I was going to the Angelica a lot because yeah. they had a, an agreement with Movie Pass. Oh right. And I was just like, pretty excited about that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm um, and going back. It's funny. Speaking of like Halloween and stuff, Tiff has some like, 
more than normal. Some pretty big blockbusters like Halloween. It's only playing for like one night. Do you think Halloween's going to be a blockbuster? I guess I should say big names, like uh, from big franchises, Halloween. I don't know about Blockbuster, but it's like that. The Predator, which I'm we have Shane Black about. returning. That's going to be a tiff, but I'm not going to have a chance to see that. Um, right, but you, I mean, that movie's going exactly. to be... Exactly, it's like, yeah, shortly after the festival's w- over. Were the Rob Zombie Halloween movies that, that unpopular, that they want to need, need to reboot a third time? Oh, I guess, apparently. But... Rob Zombie has like a, a non-ironic core fan base who take his stuff and stuff movies of that ilk very seriously. I'm just not a fan. I think it's just like he's a serious filmmaker. I'm not trying to whatever, but there is this like childish tinge to everything. How fucked up can we be? And it's like you're almost sixty. Like I just think there's something really silly about that. I don't want to sound pretentious, but that, that that's pretentious. We just spent forty minutes talking about action movies that's true but I feel like a guy like me who outwardly likes some of the movies I like to be like a Rob Zombie movie but that is how I feel when I think about his movies I found, I found yeah his movies don't do it for me yeah but that's it that's okay that's alright I just anyway. think of like gnarly guitar riffs whenever I think of a Rob Zombie like dear like that kind of you know whatever right so as as we as we slow down this, this is gonna be a shorter episode guys slow down it's like the three or fourth time we've mentioned that song on the yeah. show which makes me happy yeah the, yeah it's funny slow down lo- love that song and just like our different our little different things um yeah it's just been sorry I burped so slow down and like all those different things so anyway back to Kelly Riker we were talking to M2 Main he was like oh Marcus which Kelly Riker movie do you want do you like and I'm like well, I'm not Marcus, but I think Wendy and Lucy is... I mean, Old Joy is also a movie I really like, mm-hmm. but I think Wendy and Lucy is is a really fantastic film that, that still matters. To, I mean, I feel, that's the, I feel like that's the name of a lot of essays. Why this movie still matters yeah. 10 minutes after it was yeah, released. That's some film Twitter stuff. Yeah, and I'm not really all about that life. Wendy and Lucy came out ten years ago, around the the financial crisis. Yeah, and it's a very it's it's Kelly Reichert, so it's slow, mm-hmm. it's sprawling. There's panning and 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 development and interpersonal strife. Michelle Williams, who is an excellent actor, and yeah, tells the story of of a woman in the Pacific Northwest trying to go to Alaska to find work. Because yeah. there's no work because of and and her she loses her dog and then she has to find find the dog and yeah. and spoiler sort of again yeah, yeah. It's a but really heartbreak heart the ending is heartbreaking and because when she does find the dog she she realizes that that the dog is living a better existence than she could offer right now because as you've said off off camera off record is that the the recession didn't just affect rich people and middle class people yeah. it affected like regular working class people and I relate to it because I was whatever the, the Michelle Williams's character's age I was that age we were that age when that movie came out right and I know it, like 2008 we had to take like pay cuts you know at my job and we, yeah. we like it was that thing like you're only getting paid for four days now but you still have to work a week so little things like that like like we felt it too it's it's this weird 
it's it's a generational thing, whether music, art, life, whatever. There's always this dismissal of younger people. Like you right. don't know, you don't know what it's like. Sometimes but, they don't, but right. like it's, that's not across the board. And there's and there like like for example, there could be a 15 year old kid in life who's lived a million lifetimes more than like a 60 year old person who just had like, oh, I graduated high school, went to college, had a family, blah blah blah. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it isn't always about just because you've lived on the earth longer, you know more. I always think that's very arrogant of, of older people. Oh, I totally agree because like experience can happen in different ways. Exactly. And I've I've had I've had depressive depressive times or limbo times where I where I maybe learned very little in six months. Yeah. And there have been times where I've learned so much in three days. Yeah. And this character, you know, is like arrested for trying to steal dog food. Yeah. Because she's like not even worrying about herself. Yeah. She's worrying about her dog. Yeah. And she's losing she loses everything. By the mm -hmm. time the movie's over, she's lost everything. Car, and, dog, yeah. 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 And she's like she, uh, she runs into Will Oldham as a as a vagrant, a hobo. Yeah. Hobo. And which if you listen to our last episode last week, uh, I was talking about hobo stuff and you can't win and things like that. Yeah. And just like, yeah, there's this thing, you go to Alaska, work, this idea, you find work in Alaska, it's very dangerous if you work at, t at canning or you could, you could, people die. Well, that's another thing about that thing. It's not necessarily, and Kelly Record doesn't give this vibe, but it's not like, oh, there's this thing, oh, I get to Alaska, everything will be fine. Not necessarily. Well, actually, in my mind, in my, theor in my theory, the movie is like, half the story the story that's mm. not shown on is that it could easily be it could end like into the wild or it can end like vagabond so oh man yeah i'm just being honest no you're absolutely because because also i mean i think the film is is i think kelly reichert styles closer to agnes varda than it is to like did sean penn direct into the wild into Dude. the wild yeah. it's funny, i have a i have a vagabond wendy lucy side by side Oh, in, in the and, I'm, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that Kelly Reichert is stealing off of Agnes Varda. Not yeah. at all. I'm saying I'm saying if I had to compare those two movies, mm -hmm. it's closer to that. Right. And if I could also say too, seeing her speak a couple of times now, Kelly Reich and reading as much as I can about her, she's very open about like, yeah, I was watching a lot of Terrence Malick when I made my first film, or yeah, I really loved. It. Well, her and Todd Haynes are close friends, but like, she's totally that director who like. Yeah, no, I was watching this, these movies a lot when I was making this, and maybe that's why it's... But at the same time, her movies are still all her own. Yeah, very you know much I mean? her own movie. Not necessarily... River of Grass is absolutely 100% Badlands, but she'll say that. Sure. But it's still a good movie, and, you know... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, Old Joy is like a very new style of slow cinema. Yeah. Uh, and fairly homoerotic in its own way. Do you? Really, I I hear that. I not not like, huh? so, not like bromo erotic. Sure. Not not yeah. not not necessarily sexual, but it does get caught. Like I first discovered this. So when Old Joy, it might still be when Old Joy used to be on net Netflix, all the recommended movies, when you watched it, were like softcore. Like Brokeback Mountain. No, like 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 oh, softcore actual type softcore stuff. films. And then it was just like, but that's but that's a but that's Netflix just being like a gent like oh if you like this you like that. But then like when you read, I I would read a lot of reviews because I wrote about Old Joy at length years ago on my site, and then 
sometimes <coughs> when I want to go in depth into a movie, I'll read what other people have to say so that maybe I don't replicate. Right. And I found a lot of people are like, there's clearly some sexual tension between the two. It's like, no, there's not. Like, I don't want to speak for you. Maybe no, I think there's like, fri- there's no. French there's Frenchual tension. A thousand. That's what it's about. Yeah, but absolutely. also, like, there's this something that, that I think is that friendships are romantic. They're not necessarily sexual. Yeah. Sometimes they are. But yeah. the, I think there's a ro- there can be a romance to intense friendship. Yeah. And I also love this sort of sequel of Old Joy in the... Zach Galifianakis can't tell me nothing Kanye West video ha that's funny in my opinion yeah. you, you know, know funny speaking of sequels I always in my head my little of this I'm such a Kelly Reichardt fan I make fan theories fan fiction I always like to think that Wendy and Lucy is a prequel to Old Joy because the dog which is Kelly Reichardt was Kelly Reichardt's real dog it's named Lucy in both movies so Lucy and Old Joy goes to these you know the dog that goes along yeah, with the two. Yeah. yeah, I have to think that's the same dog. Because both and movies then, are in Portland. And then they grew up, and then Will Oldham, no, the, grew up to be uh, the, the guy in Straight Story. Which guy in Straight Like Alvin Straight? The guy on... Yeah, on, yeah. him, the real, the actual guy. Yeah, funny. yeah. Okay. I don't know. That was yeah. that was a big one. Let, uh, let's start wrapping up. Sure. Funny, I was at a barbecue last yesterday mm-hmm. and this dude was like trying to exp- he was like he was like the story of 2001 is obvious and then he gave this theory I was like mm-hmm. that that is not obvious and he was like what's a better movie about from that era about space and human stuff and I'm mm-hmm. like Solaris thank you and and he was like he was like with George Clooney I was like oh I mean actually, yes <laughs> yes actually oh hot take Hot take, hottest take. This may get much. us. This may get us to lose uh, listeners. But you know, if you disagree with someone, and that's why you stop listening to us, I think that's your own thing. Yeah. Um, uh, Say it. S- George Clooney's Solaris is better than two thousand. I, I agree. Sorry, but not sorry. And and I mean, obviously, Tarkovsky Solaris is better than two thousand one. In my opinion, yeah, I agree too. But I think as 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 compa- comparison about like human relationship to space, it might be more apropos to use Soderbergh's Solaris. Yeah, I also feel bad. The older I get, I get, and I feel really bad about this. I get so much more cynical about Kubrick, two thousand one. Kubrick's a masterful filmmaker. No He's question. made great movies, but it's like, that's everyone's go-to at a party or at a barbecue to sound smart, start talking about what other people have been saying for decades about no, 2001. I mean, this guy was socially awkward, and oh. <laughs> and his, his, his perceived fact about the interpretation of the movie was interesting, and it was more just like trying to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. He was, he was yeah. a very unpretentious person. Okay. Uh, yeah. That, that's what I have to say about that. Okay. So, guys, um, so these, the you know, we're going to be away for a few weeks. So these, some of these episodes are going to be pre-recorded, um, and bear with us. Bye, bye.